Welcome to the Inside the Bradfield Centre podcast, where we tell the stories of the companies, partners and staff that make the Bradfield Centre community so special. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre, and joining us on today's episode is Joe Glover, who is the co-founder of the Marketing Meetup. So, Joe, thanks for taking the time uh, to come onto the show today. Um, why don't we kick things off by just, you know, letting you introduce yourself and, and telling us a little bit more about your background. Sure. Thank you for having me as well. It's really appreciated. It's, it's a lot of fun doing this podcasting thing. Uh, so my name is Joe Glover. I'm the founder of a, a community called The Marketing Meetup. We're about 29,000 marketers across the world, um, united by a shared desire to learn about marketing, uh, connect with other marketers and do it in a way which prioritizes kindness and looking after each other. Um, the way that sort of manifests itself in the real world is that we uh, we do online events presently, um, but we're also bringing back in-person events in 13 locations, I think. Uh, and then we'd also started in New York pre-COVID and sort of looking to bring it to America at some point uh, over the next couple of years as well. So yeah, lots going on and a lot of fun. Yeah, exciting. So, so what did what did you do pre kind of pre uh, the marketing meetup? What's your, what does the kind of background look like? How did you get here? <laughs> so I was a marketing manager in a, a small company. Uh, so in fact, I've had two marketing manager roles uh, in my career. So I started the marketing meetup when I was 24 um, as a side project. Uh, but all that time I, I was working as a marketing manager as well, sort of while I was growing the meetup. So I used to work for a company called Business of Software. Um, so they were a really fabulous company based in Cambridge who ran events in the UK and USA. And I was really lucky that for the duration of that time, then my education into marketing was watching talks by people like Rory Sutherland and Seth Godin, um, listening to them and, and literally just taking in that information and then sort of sharing that with the business of software community. So that was really, really great. You know, it was, it was a real sort of like, I think uh, Tim Ferriss sort of speaks about doing his own sort of master's program that he designed himself. Business business of software felt a little bit like that for me. Um, I spent three years there and then moved on to be a marketing manager at a local agency where we were doing sort of stuff like SEO, PPC uh, for retail brands. And again, that was a nice sort of uh, education really into how the real world works, specifically in a little bit more of a, a commercial world, um, but also a little bit more about tactical marketing as well. So um, two fairly small companies um, and all the time while I was at both, I was, I was sort of growing the marketing meetup on the side. Yeah, so that's interesting. You say you were, you know, twenty-four when you first, you know, wanted, well, came up with the idea of the meetup. What was the, what was the, the driver of that? Did you, did you feel like the kind of marketing community wasn't being served by something in Cambridge, and you know, there was a gap, or did you just have that kind of passion inside yourself to create something and and kind of drive something forward? You know, how how did how did it come about? Yeah, I wish I had such a high opinion of myself that I either would either of those uh, solutions sound like they would have been a good idea. Uh, honestly, I, you may hear this already in in how I'm speaking, but I'm I'm far more introverted than I am extroverted. And even today, you know, I'm, I'm, I turned thirty the other day, and I'll still do exactly the same as what I did when I was twenty four which is i'd walk into a networking event and i'd be the guy that sort of hid in the corner uh the person who would uh sort of be on their phone hoping somebody would say hello to them but so often they wouldn't 
Um, and the reason for that was twofold, really. So the first was those circles that folks sort of spent their time sort of congregating in and you sort of had to break into one of them and say hello absolutely terrifying but then the second the second part of that was that like whenever i did that i just remember having so many surface level conversations where folks were just trying to sell something at me or were just bothered about my job title and if i didn't have a budget or a job title to match those expectations i you know it's a bit dramatic but i felt like i was cast aside and it's not that's just not a nice environment it's not a nice experience so i just wanted to create a place which felt safe and welcoming and people come and learn and get better together and feel like they genuinely were sort of valued as a human being because that was my experience that i wasn't so you know i just created that space and it really wasn't a particularly mindful act it was just like right well i'm gonna do this and i put an event up on meetup.com and lo and behold people came so I just kind of carried on and the snowball started rolling downhill from there really you can definitely see where that kindness thing came from and that's uh that's, that's clearly one of those main motivators in terms of, as you say, people dealing with people at a, a human level rather than just seeing them as a business opportunity. Well, 100%. I, I think that's the important thing, right? Because, I mean, what I do as, as the marketing meetup running marketing events is barely revolutionary. You know, anyone can run a marketing event. It's really not that difficult. If you've got if you've got a connection to Zoom and, and someone semi-interesting to speak, then then you can do it. But I think people value not so much what we do, but how we choose to do it. And of course, there will be folks who have that far more functional relationship with the marketing meetup where they do just value the information we put out because it is bloody good. But uh, for the most part, I think people come because they know that they're going to be able to come together and, and enjoy that experience as as a human being, first and foremost, and maybe a marketer even second, uh, which is which is nice. It's a human experience for me. So, you know, in a kind of like a music analogy, was it an overnight success or were you one of those, were you a band that played loads of pubs for, you know, five years before anyone showed up other than that was related to you? How, how quickly, you know, how quickly did it build momentum? Was it a slow burn? Was it a lot of hard work? You know, did you have those crises of faith that, you know, you were doing something that people weren't interested in? How, how did it, how did it kind of, you know, build momentum? Yeah, well, I'm a little bit like a Labrador. I'm just happy, you know? So, like, in, in the first event, people came, they learned, we connected, and uh, they were kind to each other. So, you know, I genuinely, I felt like I'd sort of achieved what I needed to achieve right there, you know? So it wasn't that story of, like, oh, my God, you know, I'm grinding and stuff like that. I was just having a nice time. And to be honest, six years later, I'm still just having a nice time. Um you know, if, if you take a more conventional view on success, you know, lots and lots of people engaging, uh, lots of activity, you know, sounding really impressive, then of course, you know, things took a little bit longer. It was evenings and weekends, uh, driving literally around the country, um, to run events for, you know, in some cases, 30 people, but for often, you know, a lot more than that. I mean, the Cambridge first event had 50 people come, which I know will be a really great success by a lot of meetup standards um but it just kept on growing and growing you know we got to the point where we had like 120 130 coming most months um so you know i i'd probably answer that question in two ways and sort of say it was an immediate success because it hit the thing that it needed to hit and there is still a growth period where we are doing more things uh, that people will value and uh and it's still a lot of fun so so yeah it's a grind but i, I never really sort of considered it uh, difficult. It's always been a hobby that sort of turned into something quite nice over the course of time. 
Yeah, so I guess in the same way that you said you, you you hated that being you know kind of judged by job title or budget, success success of the meetup was probably just someone else showing up. So you never had that that grand plan of world domination. But I guess, I guess because you've had that authenticity in the way that you've gone about things, it's just snowballed from there. I mean, twenty nine thousand people is nothing to be sniffed at. You've done you know so so incredibly well. It's been it's been good fun. I, I think you know that thing where people say if you're if you're smiling when you're on the phone, then people realise it. Then I think it's the same with the meetup. Like we've done some stupid things over the course of time. You know, like we got Sean Paul to sort of record our coronavirus. It's going to be okay. Message. You know, uh, you know, just because it felt like you know everyone else was saying you know the same thing so we just wanted to do something a little bit different that felt fun and i think that's the truth that i think if you if you got a pure intention on wanting to look after people and then you're having fun in the process then other people can't help but want to be part of it but while you're doing all of that you're having a lot of fun <laughs> and, and I, and I, I don't know if i get up on my high horse just a little bit then I, I do think a sense of fun is is something that's really important in business and not something to sort of just say you know ah it's a it's a buy thought i think it's a really important part of the process yeah absolutely so is it is, is it got to the point now where it's more than just yourself have you got you know a team that's helping you out how, how do, what does the sort of structure look like yeah, so uh, we've got myself and and my now co-founder James. So James, I met through the marketing meetup in Cambridge um, about two years into the process, but since then, over these past four years, he's been nothing but phenomenal. So um, we sort of made it official and called him the co-founder at the beginning of this year. Uh, and then we've got Elle, uh, who is the world's kindest human being and the operations person for the marketing meetup, and and she is the only person who has any semblance of organisation for the company. So that's that's lovely. Um, and she she joined at the end of last year, and I don't know how we did anything without her now, um, but she's great. And then we have a series of organisers across the world, um, each representing their local groups. Um, so, you know, in each location is, is ran by a, a sort of volunteer uh, closer to their home. Um, so I think on last count, we had about 15 of those. Um, but, you know, that number sort of changes and grows and, and, and stuff over the course of time. So, so yeah, I guess I sort of sit in the middle. Um but there's an awful lot of people who work together to make it happen. And not even to mention the small army of freelancers we've got working for us as well. Um, which actually is, you know, we couldn't have got to where we are without them and couldn't have afforded to pay for staff um, with their specialist skills without them being freelance. So I think that's been a really important part of how we've grown. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you in a second about, you know, how uh, you've grown over the last 18 months, but if you don't mind just jumping in the time machine and going back 18 months, you know, ha having built all of that kind of momentum and, you know, ha having that positivity around what you're doing. I mean, tell us what it felt like when pandemic hit and um, for, you know, for someone that's organizing in-person events, did it just feel like, I mean, obviously at the Bradfield, we work with so many different event organizers and obviously it was such a punch in the guts for so many people to suddenly have that rug pulled from underneath themselves. So, you know, take us back to the, those dark days and what did, what did that feel like? Well, it was, it was, <laughs> it was really sad. <laughs> so we had 140 events planned for 2020. Um, and we'd literally just run our first event in New York as well. So it felt like there was that, 
that incredible sense of momentum that you were speaking about, you know, where people come in, they're enjoying it. It was growing bigger and better than ever before and et cetera. In fact, let me retract that because I don't think bigger is better. So uh, it was growing bigger than ever before. Um, and it probably was better, but not because it was bigger. Um, and yeah, I, I remember on whatever date it was, March the 13th, I think it was, I recorded a video to the community where I was sat in a dark room and, and said, look, I don't think it's safe to carry on doing the events. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure it out. And then we had to figure it out. Um, I, I probably spent about three or four days, and I think it's important to be honest, um, just sort of sat that week pushing a mouse around a screen, feeling quite anxious and very sad. Uh, I'd, just, I'd just gone full-time on the marketing meetup maybe a year before. Um so not only was it this thing that I'd been building that was on the line, it was, you know, our salary, <laughs> you know, my wage. So it's scary. But I think, you know, my mum sort of said, for whatever reason, that weekend I decided to channel my granddad and, and uh, just decide to be a little bit bolshy and, and sort of have a little bit of a moment of why the hell not. And it was in that weekend um, when we cancelled all those, those events that I um I just emailed the most famous marketers I could think of, the people I admire most in this world, uh, in the professional capacity, and asked them if they wanted to be involved in an online series. And the nice thing was at that time that, of course, every in-person event was cancelled, so all of a sudden all these phenomenal people had their, their schedules opened. Um, I probably had first mover advantage because we cancelled our events early to protect the community, which also meant that, you know, all of a sudden these people were having their things cancelled, but not many people asking them to, to attend their events. And so we got like Rand Fishkin and Rory Sutherland and Mark Ritson, all of whom are, you know, really, really influential human beings in, in the marketing space say yes to come and do a webinar schedule with us. And, and that's where the momentum for the next 18 months came from was really those couple of weeks where we put together genuinely a world leading um schedule um around you know basically nothing it was it was a really transformative period so so i guess the takeaway there is not having that fear of just reaching out to these i guess superstars of the industry and just just chancing it and seeing if you can actually pull it off genuinely so we had a speaker drop out on friday um so that's only the second time in two years that this happened we run our webinars every tuesdays uh and, and so all of a sudden I had a, a space to fill uh, for four days time. And um, I emailed uh, a guy called Sam uh, Conniff, who's one of my favorite authors and said, uh, Sam, do you want to come and give a talk for the marketing meetup? And he said, yeah, all right then. And so that's a lesson that has been put into place, not only uh, at the beginning of COVID, but is something that I continue to this day. Um, and actually, it's a practice that I try to do quite a lot. So uh, I put a post up on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago where I uh, called out Ryan Reynolds, the Hollywood actor, <laughs> to come and speak at the marketing meetup. We didn't hear back from him, but if you don't ask, you don't get, you know. And in that process, I think that post had like nearly 1,800 likes on, on LinkedIn or something like that. So, you know, folks were getting behind it as well. You know, people know that it's a bit of fun, but if it happens, why the hell not? People are just people, you know, I genuinely don't have a belief that anybody is unreachable until they say, no, I really don't want to do this, you know? And, and so, yeah, we'll be trying to get Barack Obama on the marketing meetup one day, you know, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. 
um so i mean on that extending that kind of thought then i mean you know getting was it was it a case of because obviously you, you started to get the international momentum you know you mentioned the new york event um but how i mean you know unless you suddenly stumble on a, a marketing budget you know that's going to help push awareness out there was it more led by the kind of speakers and, and kind of grabbing those those high level speakers that could actually bring their own communities to to you or was it more of an organic kind of social media kind of growth you know what was your kind of marketing plan around that obviously it's a marketing meetup so you your yourself are, is a marketing case study in terms of how you built this community right yeah absolutely um it's funny because you use the word marketing plan i mean maybe it's something that i did uh intuitively but there wasn't a big plan uh that being said the largest sources of growth for the marketing meetup uh pre-covid were was word of mouth was word of mouth and social media um although debatably you know social media is a version of word of mouth these days anyway um and really the magic trick there um, is to produce something that is built with people in mind and then ask them to share it. And really it's as simple as that because if something is good and people know that it's been there for them and you, you know that they're genuinely there to help and, and stuff is there for their best interest, then they will share it because that's the co-creation experience of community. Community isn't something that is sort of a one-way broadcast. It's something that is co-created and therefore you need those community members to, uh, to share uh, otherwise you don't really have much of a community at all i would say over these past 18 months then the speakers uh the speakers following has been really useful uh, so for example mark ritson i think he has like 130,000 followers on linkedin as an example um and he was generous enough to post about us both times he's spoken at the marketing meetup and it's undeniable that that's been a really useful sort of uh audience builder for the marketing meetup um i think the other thing is that the the last sort of element of that is is not so much a channel but more about consistency which is that people know that we're going to be running an event every tuesday morning at 8 30 and therefore people turn up and these events have been our biggest audience builder and by audience i, I mean most specifically our newsletter list that's how we sort of judge the success of growth of the community although of course you know Growth is, you know, growth is interesting, but I don't think it's the be-all, end-all. Um, and it's certainly not everything like uh, so many folks choose to make it out to be. So, you know, that is that is our growth metric for the community, but I'm far more interested in how many people are coming to our events and whether they're enjoying it and whether people are being supported. I kind of always had that mindset, and really that's done as well because growth is kind of followed from providing a great experience rather than the other way around. Return to the office with confidence. At the Bradfield Centre, we offer a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and home working mix. We have a range of high quality meeting and collaboration spaces for hire. And for event organisers, our auditorium, lakeside pavilion and atrium spaces are all back to full capacity and dates are filling up fast. If you are looking to run an event, get in touch to discuss requirements, including live video recording and live video streaming options. Visit BradfieldCentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600.
so I mean, so you, you've kind of you've you've stopped me using the word plan a couple of times. You know, it, it's kind of it feels more organic and experimental, I guess, and and you know, throw it against a wall and see what sticks. But you know, it, what's your opinion on the effect of lockdown? Do you think that you would have always gone international and built the size of community you have done over time? organically or do you think covid and the kind of as you say the kind of the, the removal of barriers should we say around geography and, the, and logistics of running in-person events sped things up and you got there faster you know what, what's your take you know do you think you'd have got here anyway or do you think the the, the kind of acceleration of things due to the the kind of the removal of those traditional barriers has been a blessing you know for the growth of the community it was definitely a blessing um, so I remember being sat one day on a, on a train to Newcastle running an event, uh, which I was, I was, I was on the train to run an event that evening. And I remember being sat on that, that train and, and you know how there's always like a, 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 a public transport weirdo, you know, the person who you don't want to sit next to. Well, that day that person was me because I was sat there on the train and I was crying and I was crying because I was exhausted. I didn't want to be there and I was lonely and, and this was all going on and I was running these events and it was right before COVID. But the point on this is that, you know, the in-person event thing, the schedule that I was maintaining, traveling around as I was, it, it wasn't becoming sustainable. You know, we were aware that, so this is James and I, we were aware that we were just chasing our tails and we weren't, you know, we weren't building things forward. So really, you know, it, it, it is regretful that it had to be a global pandemic that forced it to, to happen. But it was great for the business with the obvious caveats that none of us wanted it to happen in the first place. But it was great for the business to force that inflection point and say, look, we need to be doing something else. Otherwise, we're just going to sort of not, <laughs> you know, we're going to be doing this forever because, because the schedule was so unrelenting, there weren't those moments to sort of think, okay, what we're going to do now to bring it forward, you know, what we're going to do to do something different. It was just a constant sort of churn of uh, running in-person events, travel, recovery, travel, recovery, event, etc. And uh, especially now I'm a dad as well. <laughs> I've become a dad during COVID. I look back and I'm like, how the bloody hell did I have the energy? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it was crazy, but it definitely forced us to um, to switch up the strategy and, and, and gladly so, albeit with the, uh, the obvious caveat uh, applied. So yeah, it was, it was a good inflection moment and uh, did change everything. So, so have you observed or kind of seen any differences in the way that you curate the content of the meetups, the speakers, how you maybe monitor and, you know, uh, police the community interactions as you've moved from a, you know, quite a specific geography you know, like Cambridge into UK and now international? Have you seen a, a change in how the community interacts with each other? Or do you think the way that you set those ground rules for the community have just served you well and everyone is just, you know, it, it's, it's carried through as it's spread to different countries. Definitely the latter. Um, but there is an element of the former in that, I guess these conversations, the, the, the change you'll notice is that the conversations have to take place in public one way or another. Of course, folks can uh, interact separately and one-to-one -one on LinkedIn or email or whatever, if they want to grab a coffee. 
But a lot of the conversations in the community are happening in our Facebook group or they're happening in the chat feature during one of our webinars or something like that. So you're able to see that stuff. You're able to see those dialogues, which you don't see at an in-person event where um, you know people are having separate conversations and stuff like that. So, so that's been quite lovely. I'd say in terms of policing, I've actually done the opposite of what you would logically expect, which is that I've just trusted people to to be adults, you know, and, and come into the, these conversations as adults. And I've done next to no policing. I've set the tone with, you know, listen, say hello and be positively lovely. But at no point, I think I've had to intervene maybe once or twice. But other than that, I, I say, look, you know, this isn't this isn't a company. This isn't me sat here as the CEO. This is all of us in the same boat together and we're co-creating this experience. So if we're co-creating this experience, let's co-police it as well, you know? So people call each other out in a really honest and open way. But, you know, I, I think that's that's great because they call each other out and they have a conversation and then they move forward. But I think everyone comes with knowing that the tone of the group and the tone of the events is one of seeking for the positivity rather than seeking for the negativity, which, you know, is a rare corner of the internet, one would say. Yeah, yeah, congratulations on finding that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we got lucky i mean i've got to say that it, it becomes more and more relevant so the the other day we had we had someone come in uh on the chat feature who was quite clearly a troll you know and and they um they used a a, a term which was completely unacceptable um but they came in they came into the online event they popped that term into into the chat feature and then they left you know, and, and that's given me sleepless nights since because there is very little I can do in an open forum event like what we run to sort of police something like that sort of right. happening again. The one thing that we did do is that straight away, as soon as someone said the thing that they said, then I just sort of said, look, I'm going to try and boot this person. And then the next message was, okay, they're gone. And then the third message was, I'm really, really sorry, everyone. Um, you know, and, and what I got back in return was, look, we get it, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. So we really appreciate you communicating us through that process. And and th that was the end of it. You know, so I think as long as you're communicating in a really human uh, way with the most positive of intentions and you're honest and open and, and do so consistently, people get it, they understand, and they want to be on your side and sort of help you through that process. So I think that co-creation thing, so, so important. Same as, you know, all the buzzwords, honesty, authenticity, humanity. It's all important. So, I mean, whilst we're on that kind of thread of uh, what, you know, the experience has been like through lockdown, you touched on one of the positives of being able to see the conversations that would have taken place, you know, one-on-one -on -one or in one of those circles that you talked about earlier. I mean, what, what's your take on the experience of, online versus on, offline and or hybrid as we're starting to see do you think you know do you have a uh, you know what do you think the community has adapted and online is here to stay i guess it probably is in your situation because you're now servicing an in international community so it's going to be logistically impossible for you to be in multiple places at the same time so how, how do you see that shift um you, you know what's your view on that and both from an experience perspective uh, but also kind of you know the technology involved and all those kinds of things it was, so it was really interesting when when COVID kicked off because there was that mad scramble in the tech space to create something which could recreate the experience of the live in-person event. Um, I 
reflect on that. And I, th- I think it was kind of barking up the wrong tree because I, I, I believe that every platform has its strengths and every platform has its weaknesses and you should be creating an event that matches each of those. So for me, uh, a real strength of online events in the context of the marketing meetup, and it may be different for other people. So please don't generalize my experiences. I'm only giving an opinion here, but for us, uh, the real strength came through education through, um, through online platforms because we were able to distribute lessons and education on mass, uh, relatively easy, very quickly, cheaply, um, and bring, you know, really, really phenomenal talent in front of people who wouldn't be able to experience that on in person. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get Rory Sutherland to come to one of our sort of our Norwich event because it's a million miles away from where he lives, you know? So that was one advantage of online events. Uh, in person, it's undeniable that there is a far better connection that you make in person than you do in an on- online event. The chat feature for the marketing meetup is phenomenal. Like literally in an hour, we'll get over a thousand messages with people like chatting, supporting, speaking about the content, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, is that as meaningful as seeing someone eye to eye, sort of shaking their hand or giving them a hug, you know, if you're comfortable out in the COVID world? Then no, of course it isn't. So a real strength of in-person is that connection. So what we've said is that with the marketing meetup, then we're going to be having a more educational angle with our online events and a more connection focus for our in-person events. I think for hybrid, at the scale of event that we run, I'm not a big fan. Um, so, But that's because we have sort of less than 100 people in the room at any one time. So they're relatively small events. I think if you're running like a big multinational conference, you look at like a Dreamforce or, you know, like a, a an inbound for HubSpot, something like that. You know, I, I can understand how a sort of virtual exp- uh, hybrid experience could work in both those situations because you've got a vast amount of people there in person and you'll have a vast amount of people there uh, online. So really, I think it depends on the event that you're running. But for us at our scale, I'm, I'm focusing on playing to the strengths of each event rather than trying to sort of create this sort of happy medium. I think for the most part in everything I do, I aim for sort of love. And I mean it in the most sincere sense is I aim for love. Um, and then even if people get to sort of eight out of 10, then that's great. But I think there's a big, big gray space in between love and hate. And I think that's where most people go. And I think that's where most hybrid experiences will go as well. in that sort of gray space, which nobody really cares about. So, um, so yeah, that's a humble, a humble opinion on uh, hybrid events. Yeah, no, interesting. So, so in that vein, I mean, at least in the UK, you know, things seem to be taking a turn for the better in terms of the, you know, the, uh, the end of restrictions. So as you come into 22, you know, what's the future look like? I mean, you know, how are you assessing things like when the timing is right to come back to face-to-face events? You know, what's on the roadmap for the shit? Well, I say roadmap, what, I'm, what am I doing? I'm, I know there's no plan. So, <laughs> I mean, what does the year look like for you guys? Great. Uh, I, I like that we've we've installed this check on ourselves, you know, 30 minutes. <laughs> um so we, we're bringing back in-person events from next month. Um, well, in fact, even mid, mid this month. So we're, we're recording in March. And it's weird in the UK. I was, I was saying this with Elle yesterday who works for us that like it's weird to even tick over into that March month rather than February. There's almost a bit of a, a psychological thing, which is, ah, oh, the weather's getting warmer. It's a little bit nicer. We had a nice couple of days at the weekend with some sun, sunshine. You know, maybe it all feels a little bit safer, you know. So yeah. 
it's not dark when you wake up <laughs> exactly yeah it makes a huge difference though doesn't it and and so we're um we're bringing back i think a you know i think in the first round so we're now going to run our events every two months rather than every month uh, in person in each location i think in the first round we're going to have in the region of eight events eight to ten events uh straight off the bat um we've dropped some that we had before and we picked up a couple of more um but the focus of those events we used to have two speakers at these events and now we're just going to have one and then that very much goes back to what i was saying earlier that the focus of these in-person events is going to be connection and then we're still going to maintain the online schedule but the focus of that is going to be about education and even within that there's 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 an interesting sort of behavior thing which is that at the beginning of covid everyone was attending our events live uh we still get you know multiple hundreds of people attending our events live um every event that we've had for this past month has had over a thousand signups which is the first time we've crossed that benchmark which means to say that like people still want online events even if they want it less but what i have observed is a lot of folks are engaging with these content after the fact as well so we make sure that all of our sessions online are available on youtube and on our podcast and on our blog and then our newsletter afterwards um and so the trend that i see happening over the course of this year is a continuation of that really in that our live audiences will probably proportionately uh, continue to shrink but gladly we're growing at a pace which is outstripping uh that that specific trend um but more folks will choose to engage with our content after the fact. Um, and so making that content available in a digestible form is really, really important. And so I, I think that's what we'll be doing too. So hopefully that's a useful answer. Hopefully that's actually a useful answer for people listening in that they can sort of say, there's a lesson there for me, which is making sure that the content is available afterwards if you're doing online stuff and also that you can be doing both online and in person, but use them for different things. Yeah. Yeah. And so where, you know, so people listening, where can they find out all about the world of the marketing meetup? Uh, so they can head to the marketing meetup.com um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there far too much. My name's Joe. Uh, you can listen to our podcast the marketing meter podcast you can get our newsletter i do my best to make it educational and entertaining um there is a multitude of ways you can join our facebook group as well um that's a private facebook group with about four thousand people in there as well uh, loads of opportunities to to engage with the marketing meetup so yeah come on board it's a lot of fun well amazing i mean thanks again for taking the time i mean it's so great to hear the story you know you, you deserve everything coming your way it's just been fantastic to see the growth of what you're doing great to be associated with all of your success <laughs> well i appreciate you and i appreciate your part in the story as well so you know it's a minor part it's a minor part <laughs> well you know it's whatever it is it's important so it's appreciated fantastic well thanks so much and uh, yeah look forward to getting this out to everyone So thanks again to Joe for coming on today's show. The show has been produced by Cole Homer of Cambridge TV, and you can listen to previous episodes by searching for Inside the Battle Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or by visiting battlecentre.com. If you have a spare two seconds, please give us a five-star review. It will really help other people discover the show.